0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at AC Smith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at the only colors. Today is Tuesday, April 5th. And yeah, John, listen, someone was crowned national champion champion last night. We don't know who that was, but I think the most important story of this tournament is that the bad man's gone. He can't hurt you anymore. Bing bong. Bing bong. Michael Krzyzewski, his illustrious career has come to a close. Let's start with this. Can you, like, knowing that we are in advance of the national championship game and the people listening to this will know the answer to this question, and we simply will not, um, does it matter for North Carolina if they – one that if they won last night if they're national champions what's more important to them that they're national champions or that they ended coach case career twice
1: i think <clears throat> they're both of exact equal importance <laughs> like they they're playing with house money tonight they and they will put up <clears throat> i don't even know if north carolina does put up runner-up banners they should for this team and everyone will know you know
0: like yeah is this a three banner year for them? Yes. Like beat yeah. coach Kane is, I think I legitimately like this is we've always said I firmly, this is one of my, like my core life tenets: is that sports fans need to be pettier. Mm-hmm. And you have to be as petty as possible, which is why we're starting with talking about Duke losing instead of waiting to record this after the national championship game or talking about anything to do with Michigan state. Uh, it, it, they should hang three banners and one should say beat coach K in his last home game. The second should say beat coach K in the only matchup or the first matchup with these two schools in the final four. And the third one, should they win should say national champions. I cannot imagine like, I can't imagine a better, what two month stretch of basketball than what, like in terms of as a fan, than what North Carolina fans are experiencing right now. Like, the high that they are on must be indescribable. You know what's wild is, the season was a success when they beat Duke on
1: Senior Day. The end. Like, they were happy. They were like, you know what? Not, wish it would have gone a little bit better. Not our best team. Looking toward the future. But this season was a success because of that. Fast forward. (laughs) National championship game. And the... coach k in his final game you didn't it couldn't have been sweeter to beat them at in cameron and then it was i I can't the high that this was the sad thing for me to realize there is a methadone high that they as north carolina fans have tasted and reached and have felt that you me nobody will ever be able to be at that high of a from sports like that
2: they oh yeah,
1: touch it. It's not possible. You know, we could win a national championship and not touch the high that they are feeling. That that I don't even know how to describe. Like trouble with the snap is the, <laughs> pretty great, right? Like yes. But if that was in the college football playoff, like and oh it God. was against Harper, uh, had he been there for like 30 years? Like yeah. now we're starting to realize the high.
0: It's too yeah. Many. So somebody posed the question, uh, to bring this back to Michigan State, of if that was a Michigan-Michigan State game in the Final Four, and not, not even talking about the outcome, but like the week leading up to it, knowing that those two teams were about to play each other in the Final Four. Like, I, I guess the question to you would be, would you even enjoy, like for Duke, like, I think of, would you even enjoy the week leading up to that? Like usually the week before a final four is ecstasy. Fun. Ecstasy. Is it's as good as it feels to be a college sports fan. As It's it's the second best feeling. Actually, I, yeah, it might be the, honestly, without winning something, it might be the best as opposed like it's that or the week after beating Michigan in football. Like it's those two weeks are like all time highs, but I don't, would you even enjoy it if you knew you had to play Michigan in the final four?
1: it would be difficult to truly like enjoy the awesome that the situation like demanded because you, you would be so focused on the next thing and that would just be so tough. And then here's the thing. That game was
2: incredible. Oh, yeah. Like,
1: it was beyond anything we could have imagined. I mean, it, it was so good from the tip and, I can I can't imagine being a fan of either of those teams as they just like there were multiple times in each game where I was like it's done, like yeah. you know I mean for both sides I was like oh yeah it's over, and it wasn't man I, I can't imagine being invested in that
0: truly invested. Uh, I don't know that if I was one of those fans again to use the Michigan Michigan State example I am I, first of all I don't like to think about the person that I would be for those. Two and a half hours. Mm-mm. I think I would have to either be at the game screaming with a bunch of other people mm-hmm. or locked in a padded cell by myself where <laughs> I can't hurt anyone else. It's one of one of those two. I couldn't just watch with like two people. I would need it has to exist on an extreme. Um,
1: so, so wait, what was that one thing you told me about? Where there's this soccer game in England where the guy um, chose. Inst- he chose instead of um, watching his team.
2: What was that?
0: I'm trying to remember the example. Uh, I think it was it. They it was one of like the span. I think it was the Spanish like, Barca and Real were playing something like that. And the one guy like a dad decided to just not watch the game because he's like, no, I can't. I simply can't do this or something like that. Where he you have to like remove extricate yourself from the situation Wait, because no, you you I wouldn't don't... be healthy.
1: I know what it was. She had told us. He was like, "Yeah." There's a game, and and it was like from Men in Blazers. They were the ones telling it that podcast, and they're like, basically the guy chose to sit in his basement in the dark, the <laughs> yeah. dark, turned off the lights, no communication. He turned <laughs> off his his phone. His at his phone next to him. The only notification he could get was from his best friend, who he instructed to not text him until the very end when the, when the there was a final score, and he sat in silence drinking gin. Along <laughs> until he got a text that just said the final score, and that was it.
0: You, know, I, the sad part about that is I've made similar requests of you, <laughs> and you of me when we've been unable to watch those games. I think the difference is it haven't necessarily been me choosing to be in the dark drinking gin. It's been more like I'm gonna be on a flight or I'm gonna be, you know, at a wedding or something like that. Um, but I know that you, our system is not that far away. Where I'll just say, literally, just need, just need scores at the quarter or scores at the un, and under timeouts, under the media timeouts when it's basketball. And it's just like, uh, yeah, I think you have. I I understand where that man is coming from. And as I put myself in the shoes of these Duke or North Carolina fans, like I wouldn't have blamed anybody for just simply removing themselves from the situation. but you know what, it's better for me. It's better for everybody that this version of me, this Jekyll, <laughs> does not come out <laughs> for the for the world to see. I know it's in here, and I don't want to let him, the Hulk, uh, see the other side.
1: I hate, I hate that, like, when I heard that story, my my initial reaction wasn't,
0: like, appalled. It was like, <laughs> yeah, sure. sure mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. It's like, I, you know, I'd probably keep the lights on. Like, yeah. I might do some aesthetic things a little bit differently, maybe watch a movie. I don't know. But turning the phone off and just removing yourself entirely is is sadly something I can I can get. I can understand. I don't know that I'd do it, but I can definitely understand where someone was coming from.
1: Man, what a night. So I think that the best troll thing North Carolina fans can do now is just to wear Duke 2022 Final Four (laughs) T-shirts. To every game, moving. Forward.
0: Oh my god! But it's just—I heard somebody make a point. I don't remember where it was. That like now, no matter like this is this is bad for Coach K, but this is even worse in a way for John Shire, because mm. now no matter what, Hubert Davis is like, live especially if they win, I, living living legend.
1: Can I counter that? So sure. Okay, so. We're, in, in the group chat discussions, we were talking about how there's no way, there's no way for Duke fans to ever bounce back, right? There's no, like for the random, time, like this is, there's no online argument. You know, every time a North Carolina fan can just be like, final four. 22. 22. The, and then it's over. And my counter to that is there's one small way where it's not done. And it goes like this. North Carolina loses tonight. John Shire wins it all in his first year. Hubert Davis loses in the national championship his first year. John Shire wins it in his first year. Not saying that that puts you back at par, but now you have like a bullet. Like yeah,
0: but do you understand what you're saying? That literally John Shire in his first year as a head coach has to win the national championship to not be forever behind. But there's a Hubert Davis I'm
2: David. just saying there's a chance there's Ian, a chance
0: uh, yeah there's there's a chance sure their class pretty big that's a pretty big bar you gotta clear though oh
1: oh my gosh it's it's almost impossible but then again, Hubert Davis just did it with these guys you know like it's yeah. not impossible I and again and for what it's worth and, they, and I'm not saying I'm just saying that it's not entirely impossible it's not impossible it's that Duke is getting Derek Lively, number one recruit, right. Whitehead, the number five recruit, and Mark Mitchell, the number 13 recruit. And they all committed to Shire. Like, they knew Coach K. was yeah. gone. So, they're not going anywhere. My counterpoint to my counterpoint is, when has when Duke getting three top 15
0: kids ever gone wrong? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have to ask yourself that question. <laughs> um
2: yeah, and and, oh, and they like, get
1: Kyle Filipowski, the number three overall crew. I forgot who everyone's gonna hate the most, by the way.
0: Yeah, of course. Yes, I haven't even seen his face, and I oh. know exactly who he is, and yes. I hate him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess just uh, we do want to talk a little bit through the end of the tournament here. But I, it's weird with Coach K being gone. There is truly no part of me that will miss him. None. <laughs> Like like, and and usually when these coaches retire, like even when Tom Brady temporarily temporarily retired there for a second, you're like, ah man, I hated that guy. But it's you know, it's a sign of the times. Like it's kind of sad that they're gone. I don't feel an ounce of that for Coach K because that man has single handedly taken he's in a way, he's provided some of my favorite moments in MSU basketball history, for sure, but also he has stolen so many from us in either big games at the beginning of the season or obviously in the tournament as well and uh i'm glad at least that i think msu stays out of the duke bracket for a little while it's not intentionally put in the same bracket so we don't have to get this iso you know coach k storyline anymore but uh yeah it's just weird like Even when Bill Belichick retires, I'll be a little bit sad, you know, all that type. Even when LeBron retires, you know, you'll be like, whoa, I can't believe it's sad. But I don't feel that way about Coach K, like, at all.
1: I think the only thing that I will miss is that there isn't, like, a unifying villain.
0: And I think that's, that's fair.
1: And that's good for basketball. Like, where you can all put aside your differences and say... Yeah, but screw them, you know. Right, uh, And it's good for, you know, it's good for ratings, you know. People watch, you know. Absolutely. And so that's the only thing I'll miss, I think, over anything. And you know what, that's, that's a fair
0: take. I respect that.
1: Um, <clears throat> but, you know, while the rest of the tournament has played out here, there's been one thing that I think has kind of been glossed over that'll be picked up here in the off season a bit more once the national writers, you know, are able to take a beat, and we're going to get on it first, which is <clears throat> the Big Ten, for being supposedly, you know, one of, if not the best, basketball conferences year in and year out, has again, for however many years in a row, pretty underperformed in the tournament. And fair or not, that's where you get measured. And <clears throat> the Big Ten went 9-9 nine and nine in the NCAA tournament this year, which is pretty terrible. Uh, when you have nine teams and only two make the Sweet 16, none even make the Elite Eight, that's terrible for a conference that's supposed to be the best or at least right up there. And I don't know. I mean, like, the other thing is, I don't know if it's getting better, but we'll get to that part.
0: But shoot, man, the first was – go ahead. No, uh, I I agree with you. I think it's pretty – and again, we are not conference pride guys, no. but it's 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 kind of pathetic, like to get all these teams in and then to literally have none of them. Nine and nine means none of them advanced to the suite. Or that means nobody was in the Elite Eight, right? Like because I think I think Purdue and Michigan were the only two teams to make the Sweet Sixteen, and both man, talk about. Them. I mean, Michigan's not as, Michigan's pretty predictable, but losing to, Purdue losing to St. Peters is, is a bad one. But we, we can talk about the future here, but let's talk about these two games in particular. I won't spend a ton of time since this is a little bit of old news, but, um, we can breeze through the first one. Michigan against Villanova. I mean, very predictable loss. I mean, credit to Michigan. They made the Sweet 16. Uh, I think if you had told them at the beginning of the year, you're going to make it to the sweet 16 and lose, they all would have been, they would have told you you're insane and they would have um, been very upset and not been happy with that as a season. But turns out you can win 19 games. And if two of those come in March, uh, all of a sudden you have the best coach in the big 10 and you're right back to being great again. So, um, It's really interesting to see how those expectations have changed uh, or changed throughout the the course of last year. But at a larger point, Villanova, like that would be a very fun program to be a team of just like Mm -hmm. uber consistent. Um, They know, man, I had a lot of fun watching them in in this March because they just know how to play. Like they are constantly moving the ball. They don't really have a big to dump the ball into, which I think ultimately is probably what cost them in the final four. Um, but they just, they just grind. They got guys who can shoot. They're all about that length and defense and they push the ball. So I, I enjoyed watching them and, and they just kind of did the boa constrictor. Like we always use that example against Michigan where they're just like, nope, we are going to keep executing going to hit our free throws. And we're just going to play smarter and better than you. And they just kind of took the lead and just steadily grew it throughout that game. So, um, uh, yeah, final count here. Michigan state did in fact win more games on the season than Michigan. Fun fact, people forget uh, so yeah, that was that one wasn't surprising.
1: Yeah, it wasn't surprising, and you know, uh, you talked about Villanova being just a consistent program. They this was per Ken Pound's number, Jay Wright's sixth best team at Villanova. They made a Final Four. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? And that's just a testament to to him and the consistency they have. And they were playing without one of their second best player, Justin Moore, in the Final Four. So they really. Yep. I don't know if that would make a difference against Kansas, but it certainly would have been more competitive. Um,
0: you're right. Yeah, that don't. one just kind of got blown out a little bit in the beginning. The game against Kansas, like Kansas just jumped out to that fast lead, but really for the majority of that game, that was an even game. Villanova cut it all the way to six. It is a shame that they didn't have uh, more. who, man, I don't know. If, yeah, his Achilles was nasty. But, um, yeah, that was a shame. But Kansas, I think, just the kind of the better team. A little more talented. For sure. And then you know we bounce over to <clears throat> the
1: the, the Purdue Saint Peter's game. You you talked about disappointment with Michigan and congrats to them on being able to talk themselves into a successful season when you have four top fifty freshmen, none of which are draftable, and uh, returning uh, wooden player watch who's also undraftable, and th- and you win 19 games and you can't get past the Sweet 16. That's the standard that they have set for themselves. So until further notice, unserious program, yep. Purdue also unserious program, and you you had a seven four kid who who fell apart against guys that weren't recruited by anyone in the Big Ten, much less the big you know the Big East, much less the A ten, and, uh, and a lottery pick who just decided maybe he was going to take a rain check for the second half when, when push came to shove and St. Peter's just looked like they were the better team. It wasn't
0: like a miracle shots. Like this was St. Peter's just beat them straight up. And dude, this one to me is, and Matt Painter has dropped the ball many, many times in March with great teams. I mean, there, there is something to be said, like in a way it's very like Iowa football Mm -hmm. where you know you're gonna put a quality product out there sometimes the quality is like really really good like once every four years or whatever i think painter probably doesn't work consistently than that but uh, so, um yep. but you just can't get that like, you just choke in the biggest moments and they've done it so many times with all american this one to me is the worst uh, a, like i i think this is the worst moment of his career that i can remember because you had a 15 seed Yes. Listen, uh, St. Peter's. I don't. I will say one thing. 15 seeds, any seed. I don't think it is today what it was even 10 years ago. The gap sure. is significantly closer. But that being said, if St. Peter's plays in the Big Ten for a season, they're they're going to be one of the two or three worst teams in the conference, probably pretty comfortably.
2: Yeah. Like
0: that's the level that we're talking about here. Like a night in, night out. Purdue has played 30 teams better than that this season on paper yeah and had
1: five days to prep
0: and at five days to prep and the game plan wasn't we are going to throw the ball to our literal giant in the post because there's nobody that's within eight inches of him and just let him turn around and dunk like how that's not the game plan every single time and how he's not on the floor like the last four minutes of the game i i just don't understand and you said you said it too about Jaden Ivey. like he just didn't show up in the second half of that game to me all of that falls on coaching that's a terrible game plan and the fact that you can't get your nba guard involved or active or motivated in the second half of that game is just it's bad and i feel bad i feel bad for trevion williams like i feel i i because i've been talking about him on this podcast for four years about how i love him so much but um yeah, I just feel like they were let down, and like you said, unserious program. I will—they are one of those, if not the chief example of—I won't buy that until I see it happen myself. I won't—you can't convince me they're a Final Four team until I watch them take the court in the Final Four.
1: Yeah. How can you? And here's the thing: they beat St. Peter's; they're going to lose to North Carolina. Oh yeah. Like, come on. And then here's the other thing. So we talked about Zach Eady. He had like five turnovers that game, and was like, I think he finished negative nine in his plus minus. Yes. Well, okay. How about we put our players in positions to succeed, right? Yeah. Like, why are, How about give him the ball where he needs it. Not well, run a pick and roll.
0: Run a pick and roll with your end with your top five point guard and your seven four center. Like, how hard is that? <laughs>
1: It's very difficult for Matt.
2: I
0: mean, here's
1: the, here's the crazy thing. I'm going to give you a quick stat before we move on. You know, over the past eight years, that's how long Maryland and Rutgers have been in the league. Purdue has the best conference winning percentage. I believe it. They won 69.54% of their games. So that's best. Um, Michigan State's second best, 6645 uh, Purdue has the best average regular season place if you were to you know average them they have the most total conference wins and they have zero big 10 title uh, tournament titles to show for it and only two regular season titles to show for it obviously zero final fours know, so michigan state in that same time frame um as i already mentioned they have average uh, a better big 10 tournament seed than purdue the best of any in the big 10 they have two conference tournament titles and two reg, three regular season titles so you know for all the isos washed and all this stuff like it's Mr. michigan state and wisconsin are the are tied with three regular season titles purdue's with two and then you only have michigan maryland and indiana all have one tied for one so and then michigan state's tied with uh, michigan with two big 10 tournament titles since then so Purdue just can get it done. During, they're just a regular season team is, I guess, the the, the
0: takeaway here. And, I mean, a, a good March coach is a real thing. Mm-hmm. you think that that doesn't make a difference, you're crazy. Some coaches, I mean, Rick Barnes, mm. classic <laughs> example of another bad March. A, a guy who's had all the regular season success in the world can't get it done in March. And I do think, like, in a way, it's unfair to boil it down to a microcosm of it, good or bad coach, like A, B um, Just based on what they do in March, because that's not true. To motivate a team throughout an entire season, win multiple conference championships, tournament championships, all that like conference tournaments, championships is is important. But like the fact of the matter is that eventually, it, it, if you want to win the whole damn thing, it boils down to getting it done three weekends in a row in March and April. And, and some guys just are not cut out to do it for whatever reason. So you know, despite all of that, um everybody and I think this is a nice little transition into our uh, discussion about actual MSU. Um, you know, everyone, we all, every year are like, oh, has I lost it? We're just as guilty of it as anybody on this show, but like, is he washed up? Does he still have it? Can he motivate? Can he recruit XYZ? Um, I think it's pretty obvious that he just based on the way this team finished this year, that he can, and have to remember the fact that before COVID, I mean, that team, with a COVID tournament, we might be talking about things in a very different light. So uh, I, I almost feel like this program is kind of getting the partial reset going into next year that they, I think we might kind of need. And a uh, big step in that direction today is uh, Dwayne Stevens, longtime 19 year assistant head coach, Michigan State alum, former player. Uh, has taken the job as the head coach at Western Michigan University. John, I'm curious as to your thoughts, uh, and maybe we can talk about what, what that might lead to here. Yeah.
1: How about we take a commercial break?
0: Mm, and okay. I
1: don't know if those even happen, but
0: we'll give it a shot. Good tease. We'll, we'll let you know. Okay. On the other side, we'll talk about it. Three, two, one.
1: just go to cars.com
2: It's magical.
0: And unlike Dwayne Stevens, we are, in fact, back.
1: <laughs> um, huge news. And one, because I think a lot of people thought he was indirectly the heir apparent to Tom Izzo. Doesn't mean he still can't be uh, when Izzo retires. Uh, took the Western Michigan job. So it was a very large seat vacancy open. Um mm-hmm. first of all, congratulations to yes. To, this is long overdue. And um Western Michigan has been on some hard times lately, but they have had some nice teams in the past. I am hoping they can get he can jump start them back to maybe some of those those winning days. And for what it's worth, like they interviewed Saudi Washington to Michigan's assistant and they went with Dwayne. I don't know how it all went down. You know, if there was a pecking order to, but at the end of the day, Dwayne Stevens is head coach, Sadie Washington. isn't. So um, congrats to him. This is a big deal for a couple of reasons, you know, beyond, you know, you lose your most tenured assistant is, okay, what does that mean for who's going to fill it? Obviously one, and then two is, you know, what does that mean for the future of the program? Because there are a couple of big names that become kind of obvious um, as to how you could replace it, but it also kind of, you have to back up and say like, okay, well, what are they what do they need to fulfill? And I think the first and foremost, number one, the name of the game is recruiting, right? And that's where you got to start.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Just to, to talk quickly about Stevens. I think it was a really good hire for everyone involved um, from Stevens perspective, to, you know, to your point, this is, like I said, nineteen years as an assistant at a, at one school is a long time. I think he's been interviewed for jobs in the Mac and other divisions before. Um, he's kinda of waited for the right situation. I think Western Michigan is a great situation for him and it's a great hire, you know, on their part. I mean, Dwayne's been recruiting that the state for twenty years. He's played at Michigan State. I mean, it's it, you know, for a for a directional school, you have to be Able to lock down players, you had to find the the second and third tier players that you're going to think are going to be productive college guys um, within your state first and foremost. And I think Dwayne's comfortability within, you know, that that uh, realm is, is going to do him a lot of good. You know, he's recruited Detroit really well historically throughout his career as well, and I think that's a great place for for Western to to tap into. So awesome for Western, awesome for Dwayne, and I think honestly for Michigan State, it's you know it's bittersweet. And obviously, like you said, you lose your guy who's been there for almost two decades, but. Um, he still has the chance to be the heir apparent for for Michigan State and I honestly think that it's better for MSU to see how he does at another school before just handing him the reins um, you now are going to have proof in the pudding to say okay Dwayne can handle a, a program as a head coach and you know might come back in four or five years whatever it is that Izzo calls it a day and he might be the obvious choice you know that's if he doesn't go to another school if he has success and, and vice versa if he can't you know um, then, then it's a good thing that the reins weren't handed over. So I think all in all, it's it's a good move for for all parties. Now, when you talk about filling that seat, I think you're at a really pivotal point. Um, th- this to me is, we have two paths, and we'll use the MSU parallels here, that I think Izzo can go down for the last stretch of his career. And what he does with this spot, I think will be indicative um, maybe it wouldn't uh, you know end up in the same results, but it will ring similar tones. He can go either the new route or the old route. Um, if he goes, the old route we will start there. A guy like Tom Crean, um, you've even heard Dane Fife, although I'd be shocked if that happens. Um, you know, other assistants that have moved around the, com- the country, but Crean is the first one that comes to mind. A guy who has history with ISO, who's been a head coach, who is you know a little bit older, maybe not the new blood. Um, you could go that route, the safe route, mm-hmm. or you could go another route and try to find somebody maybe a little bit younger who brings in some new philosophies and is a really like recruiting focused. Hire someone with their eyes on the future, who you know you might lose to a head coaching job in the next two three years if they do everything right. Yeah. I- there are two very divergent paths and if you go the old route people are gonna my mind immediately goes to mark d'antonio where you start rearranging the and i think in bringing back was it brian gregory last year or who they brought back another coach last year where it's kind of like rank some of those same tones you are like oh boy he's just consolidating is just consolidating power not bringing in new voices and thoughts and you know we're just going to keep doubling down on what we've been doing is that the right thing to do you just don't know um and I think Kareem would be somewhat in that same realm. Personally, I would like to see him go another route, uh, which is maybe somebody a little younger, more aggressive, maybe somebody who can honestly relate to the players a little bit better. I mean, that coaching staff is not full of young guys. Um, I mean, I look at Duke and a guy like John Shire, and you know, he's in his 30s maybe. Yeah. You know, and he's going to take over that program. It's not to say you need to find exactly that, but somebody who's been there in the last decade and might be able to be a little more comfortable with the way the world works. Now, someone who's comfortable with the transfer portal um, and just has maybe a little bit, you know, some new thoughts that can challenge Tom and honestly, maybe even extend his career. So, um it's going to be uh, kind of fascinating. I don't even really know, to be honest with you, the names. It's funny because if you had this conversation a year ago, I think Drew Valentine probably gets uh, a lot of uh, attention for that role. But um, it'll be very interesting to see which route they go. But yes, John, to, to answer your question, I think recruiting is um, it has to be at the forefront of this hire.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to play, you know, both sides of why Tom Crean. Is probably the leading candidate. And I I can bet my bottom dollar that Dane Fife is not. And that there's, I'll just leave it as there's a, it's just not going to work out. Let's just leave it that way, in my opinion. Uh, The, what I will say about Kareem is, you know, he wasn't able to get past the Sweet 16 at Indiana. And that just was simply not okay for them. Okay, sure. I mean, I, whatever. He won two Big Ten championships in four years. Indiana, I think, got a little too big for their britches because look where they're at now. Mm-hmm. He recruited Oladipo, Zeller, Yogi. Like he got NBA dudes while they were sanctioned. You know, remember he had he took over Kelvin uh, Sampson's sanctioned
0: program. Absolutely.
1: And, and, and they were so bad. Like they won, like, six games one year. Remember how bad they were? They were playing with, like, that kid Pritchard was their best player, and it was, like, a Mac kid. It was just so bad. Uh, but, you know, he he recruited the hell out of that program and got them to a place that they pair. He, for what it's worth, got Dwayne Wade at Marquette, if you remember, all the way back there. He got um, Anthony Edwards at Georgia. I, I'm going to go on the other side, though. Here's me speaking out of the other side of my mouth about that. Anthony Edwards is from Atlanta. You know, you're the number one recruit. Certainly, it's not easy to land the number one recruit. It helps. You know, he wants to play in front of his family, and he knows it's a one-year stay. Yeah. Um, Doesn't mean it's not a good recruit. It's just I I don't put that one next to what he did at Indiana. And, And while he did recruit his butt off at Indiana, that was also like eight years ago. Yeah. And, you know, he was in Georgia for the last... Have uh, seven years, and not recruiting the Midwest as heavily. And you know, are the doors in Indiana high school going to be as open to him as they once were? Now that he, if he were to be wearing a Michigan State polo, you know, like it's just not as simple as I think people want it to be. And it doesn't mean he's not a good hire because a guy with that much head coaching experience is going to just be fantastic. You, right if that's our worst case scenario that's great right but yeah but when you look at for me this is what at the end of the day we, we talked about it on these podcasts before like north carolina is playing in the national championship game they're an eight seed. michigan state was a seven seed. the difference between those two programs and those two teams specifically north carolina they lost games by 20 to inferior opponents all year. They looked like the way Michigan State looked like against Iowa for a handful of games. Difference was, is they have two NBA guys starting on their team. And they yeah. figured it out at the right time. Michigan State could have figured it out all they wanted. They could have beat Duke. They were right there. Do they beat Texas Tech? Do, then, do, they, beat North, do they turn around and beat Arkansas? I don't, I don't know that answer. I don't, I have a harder time seeing it than I see a North Carolina team who beat Baylor and UCLA. And, and it's because they have the top talent, talent, that's first round talent. And, at the, you know, we can get OKGs and four-year guys, and that's great. But dude, you need NBA dudes if, if Tom's going to get an Addy. Because we watched in 2015, you get a bunch of four-year guys. Seven seed. They went to the final four, and guess what? They played Duke. They played Julia Locafor. They played... Um, who's the point guard from Minnesota? Tyus. Uh, Tyus Jones. They got they got their ass kicked, man. They lost by 20 off the jump in that one. And it's no fault to Travis Trice and Matt Costello. Those are our OKGs. We love those guys. You need more of those guys. You need Jaden Akins, Pierre Brooks. You need... You know, for Julius Marble, four-year guys like that. But you also need guys. You need top 25 guys, dude. Mm -hmm. Does Tom Green, does the guy who come in, who comes in, help you get a top 25 guy? I think that's for me, where we're at. Because yeah, I I agree. Because Tom Izzo doesn't need any more help with the X's and O's. Like you got we. Mike Garland's on the bench. He's been there forever. Mark Montgomery's been a head coach. He's been there forever. Like we don't need more people looking at film i need we need guys that can go get top 25 nba for a talent and frankly msu hasn't had that a, a player like that since jaron jackson
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's been a long time and guess what could could, could they have done it with cassius and, and xavier tillman maybe we'll never know we'd like to we like to tell ourselves who knows, right? And I think it's got to be a healthy mix. But what we do know is Cassius Winston was a generational point guard. Yeah. Do do we have another generational? Player? You know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah, it's it, it's all got to. I mean, that's the thing about when your program standard and, and your goal is to win a national championship. You know, it's got to all hit at the right time and all be hot and operating at the right time. Like not only roster wise, like for a year, but then for a, a month stretch. So. It's it's so hard, but you're right. I mean, look at the teams that made the final four. I mean, you had Duke, which is absurdly loaded with talent. You had North Carolina, which is not only stocked with talent, but is just as hot as can be. Uh Kansas is stocked with with talent. Villanova, maybe the exception to the rule, quite and honestly, where they don't they don't have it, but I think they might have the best head coach right now in college basketball in and they're filled with upperclassmen and they go guess seven what? deep.
1: Yeah. And guess what happened? They lost by twenty.
0: Yeah,
1: same thing you know and you know not to say that's the same as msu in 2015 it's just like they didn't have the horses man you know like right. that's okay they've
0: had the, they've won two natties recently <laughs> like they're fine. right well and, and and then when they did look who they had you had yeah. mikhail bridges
2: yeah. you had
0: uh they had the point guard the jalen brunson i mean guys that are playing minutes in the nba like you had you had dudes on those teams um so yeah i mean you just it's about talent i mean we've seen it i think the good news is that we've seen it many times at michigan state as recently as the miles and jaron years and kind of the same thing you said about anthony edwards i think you could apply that same sort of logic to miles bridges quite honestly the kid was from flint Mm -hmm. you know he he wanted to be you have to what if he what if he was born in you know south carolina does he end up in a different place so well, uh, it's all about coming together at the right time and the right place. And yeah, you're 100% right. Whoever this quarterback, quarterback, whoever this assistant coach is, needs to be focused on. I am going out and I'm getting that top level talent. Period. End of story. Because without that, you know that second ring might, uh, might just never happen for Don.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Wojcik was brought in to help land guys from Lalu. Didn't happen.
2: Yep. Okay.
1: You know, it like, didn't happen. You know, so so what is, what do you bring to the table? And, you, you know, the best recruit we've had recently, Max Christie, you know, we'll talk about that later. Could he play in the NBA one day? Absolutely. You got to have a, you got to have a couple of those guys plus the OKGs. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, and I will say you no know, credit to Tom, um, you know, and by the way, credit to Matt Painter. They were both in the Indiana high school state championship game. Matt was there the day after they lost to St. Peter's. And watching Xavier Booker play, who's a you know, top seventy-five kid that yep. Michigan State's in pretty hard on. And I, I was, I saw it, Matt Painter was there, and I was like, okay, I respect that. Like going to work the next morning after losing. Oh my god! To St. Peter's, and not just work, not like go to your office, dude. Like he went to the one place in the world I would want to go last, which is <laughs> which is where half this half that stadium. Is laughing
0: at you, Indiana. <laughs> they he, see you sad and they're so happy about it. The
1: other half wants to strangle you, Purdue fans that are there, and he's there recruiting right next to Tom Izzo. And, and anyway, you know, like you, you got to. Tom's still on the trail. Don't get me wrong. He's oh yeah. Right there. It's just who's going to
0: help him with that? You know, put, put people on the top. It's got to be. Yeah, I mean. It, I, it's going to be really interesting because I don't know if like, I, th- I think people probably want at this point. I mean, a logical question is when is Tom going to hang it up, right? Like, how many years does he really have left? It's interesting because if you listen to him and kind of the things he said in his post game pressers, especially towards the end, he's like, you know, if anything, this game gave me the energy to want to run this back and do things the right way. And so it, I, I don't think they're going to go out and necessarily find like, the heir apparent as the assistant coach um i suppose it's possible and it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world but i just don't know i think that happens like organically i don't know that yeah. you can just go out and hire somebody and, and and name that so with that in mind like it's still tom Izzo recruiting these guys like i am going to be your head coach for the next four years and and, and again i kind of think it speaks to like if we just look at the turnover that's coming to this team in this program like We've had a lot recently, but this is this is a lot of turnover. You're losing your longest tenured assistant. You're losing three seniors. Uh, we're talking about um, you know a team that already had two empty scholarships going into this past year. Uh, you, you're you know Max Christie. There's rumors abound about him. I don't know how much credibility to give to those rumors, but um, we're talking about a significant amount of turnover, which makes this offseason – I think, honestly, as important as we have had in mm-hmm. how long, I mean, I mean, really, if it, it, and, and it open, it almost to the point, I think the good thing about basketball in, in this regard is that you can really change things on a year to year basis. It's not like football, where if you misfire, you're, you're kind of screwed. No matter how well you use the portal, if you yes. set a band foundation, it's, it's going to crack and it's going to show when you get it in the trenches. And it's really hard to pivot that on a yearly basis because guys just aren't ready as true freshmen. Whereas basketball, we find all Americans that are true freshmen. Paula Boncaro came out and dominated uh, as a 18 year old kid leveled up a class just to, and still dominated. Um, So you can find impact in a lot of other ways. And I think the portal allows for that as well. But, you know, if Izzo and crew cannot deliver on that this year, if they don't pivot the way that they approach roster construction to a degree i mean it you have to wonder like where it sends this program because they they've done a good job using the portal i mean obviously tyson walker literally just last year they joey hauser kind of pre-portal they've gotten taken plenty of transfers in their time but um i think they need to be aggressive about it and i think they need to to understand that much like Mel Tucker has that free agency is kind of part of the game now. Like you, I think if they don't take advantage of that and they leave these recruit, these scholarships floating about again, like no matter what you're bringing back, I mean, there's plenty of good pieces coming back. Like you are handicapping yourself going into next year through no one's fault, but your own, because of (laughs) how you've decided to approach that. I don't even think of it as like recruiting anymore. It's roster construction how are you constructing this roster so a lot of big questions to answer and and yeah i uh it's in one way it's terrifying but in another way it gives you the ability to like really reset the foundation of your program in a way on the fly like a retool Mm -hmm. of guys we're here to we're here to be michigan state we're here to beat people up we're here to run and we're here to outwork teams and just be a bunch of okgs and, and kind of reset the culture because I don't think that culture is I don't think it's where it was when Michigan State was so good under Cassius and Miles and, and those guys for that stretch. I think it's kind of floundered a little bit. COVID obviously kind of a big part of that, but um yeah, I, and given how open the Big Ten's going to be, that if you're able to do that, it could deliver instant results. So I it's really a fascinating offseason that we've got set up for us here.
1: Yeah, it's, it and it starts with the phone call. You have a limited time like you said when you're still a, a near a blue blood or however you want to call a second tier blue blood, where, where when someone calls you from Michigan State, you take the call. You get Tyson Walker to come because Tom Izzo can hand on heart, call anyone in the country and say, you'll play in the NCAA tournament next year. Full stop. I've done it since 1997. Like you're come, You will play in the NCAA tournament. So that that gets people's attention. Right. Tyson Walker did that. So now what do you what do you need? Well, we know we need a wing. Gabe Brown's gone. You know, you need a center. Marcus Bingham's gone. Is Joey Hauser coming back? Don't know quite yet. But wouldn't bank on it. Wouldn't bank on it. But you have Malik Hall and Jackson Kohler. Okay. So, like, you can feel like, would you want another one? Sure. But the most pressing needs are the five and the three. And then you got to wait and see what Max Christie does. And, you know, as of right now, it sounds like we don't get too far into the recruit and stuff. But you got Jalen Bridges, West Virginia kid, who would be an immediate starter coming in. And then there was a lot of talk about uh, Utah Valley's center and how Mm -hmm. and why MSU was not in on him. Let me just I'll just say this. There is a there is a reason Michigan State is not pursuing him. And it's the same reason Michigan State hasn't pursued some other talent in the past that let's just say that this guy might be looking for something that I'm just, I'm just gonna say it's just not gonna give so and that's okay right and and so yep. so you know how do you to find balance of finding a guy that's going to work for you and not and and with your program and you know you need to go get a center and for for the sky is falling folks transfer portal isn't like done as in like people people are still entering it you know, he as a kid from. Oh, it's
0: just getting started. I mean, one of the kids from Moorhead was it Moorhead State Morehead entered State. today. He's has yeah.
1: that center in the country available in the transfer portal. So while you can't like bank on you know an immediate impact player coming in, you certainly can't like look at who's out there and say like, well, this is it. So
0: there's opportunities. I, I, I'll tell you what. I I think there are multiple high impact players that are available. I mean, if you look at the turnover uh, and, and maybe, then and this is where I think the approach to the portal is the interesting part. Because if you look around at some of these teams, like LSU, I'm looking right now at, by the way, uh, it's oh, yeah. Evan, Evan Maya's site. I think his last name is Miyakawa. Evan yeah. Miyakawa's site ranks the top transfers in the portal with his own kind of proprietary method. Four of the top nine are LSU players. I mean, you talk about influxes, Yeah, Terrence Shannon Jr., the shooting guard who started at Texas Tech for the last, I think, two years, is available. You're, I mean, and, and we've seen it time and time again where guys from lower tiers, not necessarily like Power Five, Division One, whatever, have come to bigger programs and been great. K.J. Williams is a great example of that. The junior center from Murray State is currently ranked as the, the third best player. I mean, there are plenty of options. And I think what I was alluding to approach, I think the fresh, the fascinating part for me is going to be, do they take players? Like I think Michigan state, if I'm Michigan state, I, yes, there are positional, there are positions you need to address center small forward to your point, John, you need to add at least two bodies there, preferably, preferably more, but I don't think they should or will shy away from just taking really talented dudes who want to come in and compete because I think that's sort of what has been to me again, total outside looking in, but like you don't just in the way they played this year and the previous year, Aaron Henry aside, it felt like there was just kind of like a lack of dog, Like that's the vibe I got where it wasn't guys diving on the floor not guys taking charges. It just seemed like there was this level of, out of just non-Michigan stateness to the to the game. And I think that a way to get some of that back and that competition uh, could be to just use 15 scholarships and bring in as many guys as you can to compete against each other. And guess what? The cream rises to the top. Like, that's what, that's what happens. We've seen it time and time again with positional battles in football and basketball. And, you know, uh, I think given the influx of talent here, you know, listen, a lot of these guys are not going to necessarily want that. So you might be talking about lower... Uh, maybe it's a freshman maybe it's whomever but um i don't think they should shy away if there's a shooting guard that's interested in coming in like take them let let the players figure this out for themselves and guess what if one of the guys that's on your team sees that and decides to leave fine because that guy doesn't have the dog mindset that they've had so many times like like i think about malik hall like Malik Hall, when Joey Hauser was getting recruited, could have easily turned around and just wanted to lead, but he didn't. And that's why he might not be the most talented, might not be, you know, one of those guys we talked about. That's like, you get him and you're a national title contender, but he's a culture, culturally the type that's the mindset that you're looking for in a, in a player. So I'll be fascinated to see how this shakes out because right now there is, I mean, up to like half the roster could be turned over.
1: Sure. And, you know, I, I think we just got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable with that. That's just kind mm-hmm. of normal, right? And um, I, you said LSU, I just have to laugh. You know they have no scholarship players on the roster, right? As of now? They have zero. They're all gone. Oh my they, every single one of them transferred. Now, wow. they, do ha- they did hire Murray State's coach, and he's bringing, like, I think all of his th- at least three or four guys. So he's got th- three or four. But he's wow. Got- go find like
2: 10 more. Oh
0: Oh, my God. Yes. Six of the top 15 available kids in the portal are from LSU. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, I just found that hysterical. They're all literally all gone. Nice job. We'll wait one time. for
0: (laughs) um, (laughs) We'll wait.
1: Here's, here's the last, you know, last thing I think topic for us is I think Michigan state has gotten a little bit lucky tying this all the way back to the beginning of the episode about how down the Big Ten was, mm-hmm. we are lucky. This is not the Michigan State could be in a lot worse position. But the Big Ten as a whole did not have a great year and doesn't really look to have a great year coming up unless there's an influx of huge influx of t- you know portal talent, which could happen. But you have Keegan Murray from Iowa's leaving. Johnny Davis is leaving. Um, Ivy's leaving. Liddell. Branham, McGowans, Devonte Jones, all going pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the portal, Curbelo and Melendez from Illinois are gone. Indiana lost four dudes. Rob Finisi, Parker Stewart, Michael Durr, and Christian Lander. Uh, Joe Toussaint from Iowa is gone. Kudas Wahab from Maryland has gone. Ryan Young, who gave us the work from Northwestern, is gone. Mm-hmm. Sam Sessoms from Penn State has gone. Ben Carlson, who would be a starter in Wisconsin, he's gone. So... You know, it does feel a little bit like the sky's falling when you see, you know, just Max Christie coming, leaving. Everyone's feeling this right now. Also, we didn't even mention Davis Smith and Peter Nwoke are are hit hit the portal in the state. You know, people are looking for playing time. That's fine. And they'll probably, those two, by the way, I hope they find it. Because they, yeah. they probably can if they join, you know, the Summit League, you know, or or maybe the Horizon, maybe. You know what I mean? So like there's I hope they find it. And that's great. But the amount of turnover that's going on is a huge opportunity for Michigan State, because while because even if they lose all the people we're talking about, I don't look around the Big Ten and see and see a lot of programs where I say, like, they're they're sitting pretty They're They'll be fine because Michigan's got to figure out if Dickinson, Diabate, or or Houston are coming back. You know, Mm -hmm. Indiana screwed. Even if TJD comes back, they're not going to be great. Kofi Coburn comes back, Illinois will still be what, like
0: top twenty. You know, be the same.
1: Yeah, I mean, like that's good, right? But imagine if they lose those guys too. Yeah. So now, you know, Michigan State, while not certainly having a solid situation if you look at their roster and you can say at the very least you look at it and you say okay well we know we have tyson walker and aj hogar
0: it's already the best point guard uh, yeah you already start there Jayden i, I A- was gonna add i was gonna add to that jay nakins and i think again to tie back to the final four like look at what the good guard play guard play is what elevates teams to the final four and to championships yep. caleb love case nice. in point with North Carolina was playing like crap for most of the season turned it on. They're a completely different team. Uh, I mean, Duke, Jeremy Roach caught absolute fire down the stretch and uh, and was massive for them, uh, up until the game against North Carolina, Villanova. The reason why they got there is because they have several guards who can play like that. I think maybe the slight exception to the rule is Kansas. Um, even though I would say Remy Martin is, is kind of a huge part of what they do. And you saw uh, Braun make a huge shot in that game. Moshe Obagi is kind of a guard. So like, if you are if you tell me you get to start with either a very good backcourt or a very good frontcourt, I will take the backcourt 10 times out of 10. And if nothing else, Michigan State has three dudes who you know can handle the ball. And if you take a step forward, that, that combination of those three can play together. If Max Christie's back, uh, which hopefully he is, um that adds another layer. So there's a lot of work to do. But um yeah, I it again, there's a lot of uncertainty in the conference. And if MSU's gonna start from somewhere, I'm I'm okay with where they're at, yes. as opposed to especially with some of these other schools.
1: But I mean it's not perfect. It, none of it is. There are very few teams that are sitting pretty going to next year. And those are the ones that have incredible recruiting classes. Yep. So back, back to who can you go get? What an opportunity to go find someone that can recruit, help you do that. And maybe Crean's that guy. Maybe Lavelle Jordan's that guy. You know, I, I don't, I, I would hope that while you want to fill it all quickly, that you don't hurry, like fill the spot, the, the assistant coach spot quickly, but don't be in a hurry because yeah. you have one shot, like you said at the beginning, Austin, you have one shot to 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 really take your last swing at this and you are you are a second tier blue you have people will call you trust me like you don't have to just fill tom crean in there exactly take some phone calls take some interviews you know what i mean like it's okay to take a beat and and make sure that tom crean is absolutely the right guy because you've already listened to the entire you know world of candidates and, and he is still the best guy but that's okay so i don't know i think it's going to be an exciting off season that's for sure It's gonna be a lot we have to keep track of so,
0: oh my gosh yeah it's just getting lot, started baby
1: a lot going on so and then
0: austin in two weeks uh we got a spring game Hmm. football yeah football oh. baby i'm uh talking about another thing i'm excited about um yeah there's uh Really interesting stuff. Actually, I've only read a couple of small whispers out of football, but um, you heard the good things about Davion Prim, uh, which is the running like the fourth string guy at running back. Um, you know it's peak spring ball when Noah. You hear about uh, Noah Kim at quarterback. I mean, these these are the types of things that. I, I love this is like where last year I got so excited about Ian Stewart's performance in this performance in the spring game. Yeah, he's already in the transfer portal. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, it's it's full on silly season.
1: I'm just going to say one quick thing. This is just observationally. I think sometimes you I think um, programs, especially Michigan State, use uh, the spring practices as propaganda for guys <laughs> for guys that they don't want to process. <laughs> Right, like like seriously, like where they're like they're gonna hype up guys that probably will not play at all, considering the talent in front of them, but they also don't want them to leave because they feel good about them for whatever reason. So you're gonna hear names like Davion Prim and Noah Noah Kim, in my opinion, because the program likes them. It's just it, to me it doesn't mean they're gonna be seeing any time.
0: And here's here's something to think about as we as we wrap up here we just talked about the portal in basketball and how it's just getting started the football portal is still very much in like mid-season form there are guys entering still entering that portal and i would not be surprised if there are additions being made well into well uh, we think about the spring games man like like the guys can are going to there's going to be another wave here so um, wouldn't be surprised if there's still names changing over there as well. It's a nonstop thing now. But yeah. Now that the recruiting can happen all the time, this portal is constantly moving. Like, the, you, Don't be surprised to see names get added. I mean, how late? quaverus Crouch wasn't added until like August or something, like June of last year. So it, it's it's not over.
1: Well, all like you said, there's 130 spring games that are about to take place. That's yeah. 32 deeps that are about to be posted. That's our a lot of decisions people are going to have to make for themselves, you know, after they figure out where they stand with their program. So, um, so there's going to be a lot, there's going to be another way who knows if, you know, out from MSU too. you know, both ways. That's where yeah. I, was, I oh, there's, 100%. A of, there's a little bit of propaganda, as I was saying, you know, you kind of hype some people up, you know, to keep them to stick around if you can, because you'd like them, but who knows? That's just my opinion.
0: So. Well, listen, I think first of all, I agree with you. And second of all, I love that we were able to work in some football at the that's very end because we just had to, to scratch our itch. But, um, I think that's it, John, you got anything else? It's a good one. It's a good one. We'll yeah. see. Right.
2: Maybe,
1: maybe we'll, uh, unless, unless there's a big, you know, the assistant coach hire or something big happens, we might catch you after the spring game.
0: Yeah. Cool. We're probably going to be starting to do these bi-weekly now. Um, you guys know we like to take our little hiatus. In the summer spring slash summer so uh yeah we'll probably check back in, in in two weeks or so um but uh yeah i guess just to put a bow on the entire season thank you to everybody who listened um we do this because people listen and the interactions is are are why we're why we've been doing this for so long so just thank you to everybody for uh for being a part of it
1: yeah thanks everyone we would love to hear from you let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about and um
0: dms are usually open yeah unfortunately (laughs) but feel free to drop in there all right guys as always thanks for sticking with us for john it's been awesome and we'll catch you later